Katya. And I'm Rin. And we're here at Commonwealth Holistic Herbalism in Boston, Massachusetts. And on the internet everywhere, thanks to the power of the podcast. Woohoo! Yeah. All right. So today uh, we're going to get back to our series where we've been looking at all of the herbs on our apothecary shelves uh, <laughs> in alphabetical order by their by their botanical Latin names. And so that's why today we get together with Schizandra and Skullcap. Uh, those are very similar to their common names also. Well, yeah, because we got, well, and their, and their Latin names, right? Because Schizandra is Schizandra, at least in English. Um, you may know it as Omija or Ueji or other names. Um, and then Skullcap Scutellaria. It's got, it's got some scooters scu- in, in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so, so <that's> our words <laughs> are funny. This is probably the time. This is the time to share an herb joke, um, because herb words can just be very funny, and um, it's one of the reasons that we have to have a human transcribe all of our stuff. Um, AI can't transcribe herb words; it doesn't know the herb words. And any time that I think about herb words are funny. I think about back in the, like, I don't know, it was like 2007 or something. I don't know when that remake of Battlestar Galactica came out. I can't remember, but I know it was still pretty popular in 2007. Um, and we were hanging out with a bunch of herbalists and somebody was making a joke about herbalists in space and they were like, it's Battleship Galactagog. And anyway, that makes me laugh every time. I never even remember the setup. I just say Battleship Galactagog and then I just crack up laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Herb words are funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, anyway, so Skullcap, Schizandra, we're going to talk about these plants today. But first, a couple of things. Uh, number one, we want to remind you that our podcast is just a small part of what we do. We're teachers, primarily. And we would love to teach you. So you can learn herbalism with us online uh, through our courses that are centered on video lessons, just as if you were sitting right here in the room with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But hey, um, if you are listening to this as as a podcast, if you're watching this on YouTube, then you're like videos. That sounds great. But if you're listening to this as a podcast, then you're like, wait, but I like to listen to things. Don't worry. Every video, we include a corresponding MP3 file so that you can... Put us in your ears and take us with you anywhere you go. Yeah. Those lessons also have integrated discussion threads, so you can ask your questions right as you go along and get your answers. Um, your course access never expires once you purchase a course with us or a whole program. You can review the material as often as you like. You should. Also, you should review the material often because um, it's just, it's impossible to learn everything the first time around. And sometimes a few years later, you're like, oh man, what was that thing? Because maybe some little detail wasn't very important to you in that in that moment when you saw it the first time, but then later it did become really important and you need to go back and review it. Um, plus every time that we add anything to the course, we update our courses every three years, you get all those updates for free. That's right. Automagically. Yeah. And you're not like alone, you know, in the dark with a computer screen trying to learn about plants and nature connection. Um, <laughs> no, you're part of a community. So you get access to our, uh, our our community space where you can post things and make discussions. And it's kind of like social media, except herbal and better. 
And it is not on social media. So if right. you're out there like, well, I don't do Facebook, so I don't, that wouldn't help me. Hey, no, it is a private community hosted on our own website um, with only cool Irby people. So yeah. <laughs> Just people like you, right? Um, and we have twice weekly live Q&A sessions. Um, and so there are ways for you to get feedback directly from, from Lady Bird and me. <laughs> yeah. That's me. He, that's. That's, it's because we're married and we do cutesy things sometimes. Uh, yeah, it happens. <laughs> um, so, so you can find that. You can find all of our courses, all of our programs, uh, including a couple of free ones, available at online.commonwealthherbs.com. Grab those free ones, and then you can come and join us at Q&A, and this will stop being a one-way conversation. You can talk to us, too, and we would love that. Yeah. All right, so one last thing before we jump into today's topic. It's our reclaimer. That's where we remind you that we are not doctors. We are herbalists and holistic health educators. The ideas discussed in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. No state or federal authority licenses herbalists in the United States, so these discussions are for educational purposes only. We want to remind you that good health doesn't mean the same thing for everyone. Good health doesn't exist as an objective standard floating in the void. It's, <laughs> it's influenced by your, yes, you, your own individual needs, experiences, and goals. So keep in mind, we're not attempting to present a single dogmatic right way that you should adhere to because we don't believe there is such a thing. Nope. Yeah. Everybody's body is different. So the things that we're talking about may or may not apply directly to you, but we hope that they'll give you some new information to think about and some ideas to research and experiment with further. Finding your way to better health is both your right and your own personal responsibility. This doesn't mean you're alone on the journey, and it doesn't mean that you're to blame for your current state of health, but it does mean that the final decision when you're considering any course of action, whether that's something discussed by your favorite herbalists on the internet, or prescribed by your favorite physician at the hospital, why not? Uh, that's always your choice to make. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I suppose there could be some situations in a hospital where it might not be your choice, and in that case, I we're grateful. There are there are. We're grateful like for emergency room staff who can, you know, practitioners who can take care of those kinds of situations too. Yes, thank yeah. you. Yeah, well, let's talk about schizandra. This let's has do this that. has very little to do with um, traumatic injuries that send you to the hospital. I can't think. Nope. No. No, nope, not the one. No, this is not a trauma herb. Um, but wow, it is really an appropriate herb for our times. And there's so much about schizandra, but two things that are really important to me when I think about schizandra, like two little flags or hats or something that I imagine on schizandra, um, is anger and sugar. Um, <laughs> I think that those are two things that a lot of modern people struggle with. And so an herb who can help with anger and sugar, um, for me, that is really, really valuable. So um, maybe I'll start with anger. Yeah, I think we should. <laughs> that, that sort of inserts itself at the front of the queue anyway, right? Yeah, it does. It, it, it <laughs> like when demands you have, it. When you, when you suddenly realize you're having multiple emotions, if anger is one of them, it's probably right up front. It's probably yeah. at the top. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so schizandra is um, sort of like some background here. It is an herb that has cooling, like draining effect on the liver. And traditionally... 
the liver is very associated with anger, especially like if you have a hot inflamed liver, that's very associated with anger. And um, I include those two things because they are traditional knowledge that comes to us from, you know, many different cultures. But um, what's way more important, like that's interesting when I hear it. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Um, and then often I'm like, why do they think that the liver is associated with anger? I don't know. Um, you know, oh, there's like, lots of connections. I, I know there are, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know there are. But often when you hear those kinds of connections, it's sort of like, I, I don't know. Or like, right. Well, it can be presented that way. Right? Yeah. Like, I think the first many times that I heard herbal teachers, you know, uh, talk about that kind of thing, it was would have been presented in a way that was like, well, this comes from. Uh, an ancient system of knowledge and so it's not really open to, to questioning or it's like well it's just a you know it's like an energetic connection you've got these kinds of energy here and those kinds of energy there and when they connect then these things happen and that's that's a way to talk about them you mm-hmm. know lots of people like that but there are other, other ways to think about it you know in the modern world a lot of people are pretty comfortable talking about inflammation and talking about the way that inflammation can spread around the body like a fire right mm-hmm. and so we can say all right well if you have a lot of fire, a lot of heat in your liver, a lot of irritation, a lot of inflammatory problems going on in there, that's not going to stay there. That's going to move to other places in your body. Mm-hmm. And then we can look at people who have inflamed livers and we can poke under the ribs a little bit and be like, oh, that's really tender there, huh? Okay, inflamed liver, yeah. Oh, you've got redness in your face. Okay, yeah, those things come together very often. We can start to make these connections and then we can think about like somebody who's feeling a lot of anger and what does their pattern look like? And where's the blood in their body? And mm-hmm. which organs are hot and irritated at those times too? So, I want to yeah. make a specific reference for Western traditions, um, like cultural association of the liver and anger. And it wasn't usually said the word liver; it was said with the word bile. bile. Yeah. And whenever, like, you maybe you'll read like I don't know some older work of fiction or literature, and something will be said with a lot of bile or like they'll use the word bile as a description of a person's behavior or a person's affect or their mood or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, He has a bilious character. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And um, so that is always like a reference to anger or mean, like a a mean person or, um, you know, a person with a lot of outburst kind of, kind of thing. Or, um, if you say something with a lot of bile, it's like, it was spat when they said it, like it was said with a lot of, mm, uh, resentment or with a lot of like daggers in the tone of voice or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so all those different like flavors of anger that we associate in the Western tradition, even literarily with the word bile. Um, so I, like, okay, that's helpful for me when I'm like, oh, well, many cultures make this association, mm. but it's most helpful for me when I can be like, I can see it in the body. Like I can, <laughs> I can see that heat moving around. Um, mm. But so, okay. So it is an herb that is cooling of inflammation to the liver. But here's what I really think about it, is that the schizandra falls into that category of adaptogens, and adaptogens help you manage stress better. And we often think about adaptogens 
as energy herbs, even though that's not it's not always appropriate. It's also not inappropriate, but it's not appropriate to think of them in that way, the same way that we would think of caffeine. And I think often we do make that the same. It's too easy to, yeah, to conflate stimulant and adaptogen. And I think that's largely because so many of the most popular and well-known adaptogens are the stimulating ones. Mm-hmm. Red ginseng, rhodiola, eleuthero, in high concentrations, right? Powerful preparations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those are the ones that are most well-known and most associated with that term adaptogen. And then, you know, the, the more like relaxing ones like jagulan, you know, or let alone goji berry. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I don't even think those are exactly relaxing. I think that they are also about energy, just long haul energy. They can be stabilizing and that yeah. and that stabilization can can lead to at least a mental relaxation. Like mm-hmm. I don't feel like I have to hold myself together and like the force of will is what's keeping all my molecules in the same place today, right? It's like, okay, I'm steady. I've got energy. I can do what I do. That's where the feeling of the stress can fade away from you. Yeah, I love Mm. that so much. Everybody just back up like 15 (laughs) seconds and listen to that again because that was really beautiful. Mm. Um, Okay, so... And Skizandra could be that kind of... It could have that kind of influence. Like there, there's a lot of clients we've we've suggested Skisandra to. They've tried it and then they've been like, yeah, I feel more steady. I don't have these like hot, fiery flares in my day and then crashes after them. It's a little more even. Yeah. Not flat, right? But some nice rolling curves. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Stable, I think is a good word. Yeah. But when I think about Skisandra and energy, what I'm thinking about is that, and this is true for a lot of those not ginseng kind of adaptogens. It, it, I think about it more as like Skazandra has the energy to keep up with my anger. My I don't know about y'all, but my anger is like long and smoldering and is easy to reignite like very, very quickly. Um, there's just a lot of stuff, stuff to be angry about in this world today. And like also I've had a life with just some kind of not awesome experiences and also a lot of very awesome experiences, but th- there's some things that I'm angry about. And and so it's like just this long, hot smolder. And one time I had a client who came in, this is not about Cassandra. Um, she came in and she was dealing with a lot of mental health issues and she had a lot of like complex overlapping mental health issues. And she didn't really like believe in herbalism, which I say with air quotes because the plants don't actually care if you believe in them or not. Like, you know, like nettle has magnesium, whether you, whether you believe nettle will help you or not, it it does in fact have some minerals for you. Um, so, uh, but she was, you know, one of those people where this was a real stretch out of her comfort zone and she came in and she kind of like threw her stuff down on the on the table and she said, I'm here, but I just want to tell you that I don't want you to tell me that I need chamomile or something stupid like that, because this is a serious problem. And of course, if you know me, you know that I think that chamomile is definitely appropriate for serious problems. But, but like for, for this woman, she, what she was really saying was like, I need something that can stand up to the complexity of my emotional health that everyone before me has not been able to help with. And I don't perceive chamomile, but maybe chamomile as a stand-in for many, many herbs, as strong enough to stand up to what's going on for me right now. 
And so that's how I think about the energy in a lot of the quieter adaptogens and schizandra in particular. It has the energy to stand up to the longest, hottest, smoldering anger that you've got. Like, it's not like, yeah, I'll just have a little sip of tea and I'll suddenly feel magically happy and butterflies. Like, that's not how anger is. And schizandra is like, I will get in there and I will drain out that anger like Drano, like the like superpower one, the extra strength. Yeah. Yeah. But, but like not like coffee. When you think about things that are really strong, then you think about things like coffee and the jitters and like the uncomfortable feelings that can come along with that sort of strength. And when we're thinking about Skysandra, like there, there aren't, there is none of that discomfort put a little asterisk next to that because it does have a very interesting flavor and I find it delightful, but some people do find it a little uncomfortable, but, but in terms of like, like side effects or, or other effects that aren't the effects you were wanting to have or whatever, it doesn't have that kind. Yeah. It's not like you're going to take Cassandra and oops, I had double my usual dose and now I've got nausea and vomiting. Mm-hmm. Or I've got like wild diarrhea or some other nonsense. That's going on. not going to happen. This isn't this or doesn't have those kinds of risks. And hey, that's part of why it gets to be in the category of an adaptogen, mm-hmm. right? That's a, a critical part of of constructing that category of herbs, right? Is that you should be able to take them in small doses if you feel like it, or big enormous doses, and it doesn't make a huge difference that way in terms of risk, right? Yeah. 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 Um, but you did mention the flavor, and maybe we can talk about flavor and then swing around to sugar. Um, so, schizandra, usually the first <laughs> thing that hits people when you take schizandra, if you chew on the berries or you drink tea or you take tincture, is the sour. Usually that's the first and most prominent flavor to come through. But if you give it a moment to kind of sink in, then you can taste other other elements as well. There's a little bit of a pungency, like the warmth now, don't think of the same flavor as ginger or horseradish or turmeric, but something in that direction, something in that in that area, right? Like the the heat that comes along with the flavor. Yeah, there's some of that in this gazander berry. Mm-hmm. There's some bitterness to it, right? There's some acrid flavor. That one's a little buried, but you can you can you can find it. And there's even a touch of sweet in there, right? And so this is why this plant has been called five flavor berry. It it also has something that for me, reads as smoky, even though I don't believe that it is actually smoky. Sometimes that you get, is, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you get a metallic taste a little bit. Yeah. That, that, that sits next to the bitter, and it's kind of like, it's not the same, okay? But again, there's a there's an echo of the very metallic flavor of berberine. Um, yeah, it doesn't taste like berberine, but it has no. qualities like berberine. Yeah, something, yeah. something a little on that side. It, so... It, it well, is it is a flavor like you were mentioning that like oh and then sort of beside it like not as strong as this other flavor but I think most people would be like every single one of them is very very strong like and they're all happening at once. if y'all were listening to this to go to bed I'm really sorry Shh, yeah sorry gonna... about that um, <laughs> but anyway the flavors are intense especially if you are just chewing on the dried berries if you drink it as tea. A little less intense. Intense, but a little less intense. Um, if you take it as tincture, 
intense but quick, so tolerable. But if you are chewing on the berries, which honestly I do recommend at least at least once just to like have that experience. And again, like in a it does become interesting if you can like relax around it. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, there's something about taking the berry directly, having that strong flavor, chewing the berries cuz they're they're not going to they're they're chewy. They're not going to disappear fast, mm-hmm. right? These are going to these are going to take um, at least the jaw workout for a raisin, but almost all the way to a goji berry. Yeah. Almost. Yeah, almost as tough as a goji berry. Yeah. Sometimes they're a little more gummy. Sometimes they're a little more like dry dry and hard. It depends on how, depends they, were, on the batch. how yeah. they were handled, you know. Um, but but yeah, when you take them that way and you, 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 t- you wake up in the morning and you kind of get yourself moving or whatever and then you eat your 10 berries in the morning and you chew them one at a time and now you're like really saturated with that flavor... There's something about that. Like, there's something about having that intensity of flavor coming in. Because when we work with herbs, we get, we're get we getting effects for a lot of reasons. Some of them are obviously about the chemistry moving into your body, getting to your stomach, getting to your liver, getting to your bloodstream, floating around, touching your nerves, touching your organs, acting on them. Okay. But there's also these effects that travel through flavor responses. Mm. And some of those are triggered right away. And in herbalism, the most famous example is bitter, right? Anything when you taste the bitterness, that that contact with your tongue sends signals up to your brain, sends signals down to your through the vagus nerve to the other organs in the body and says, wake up, get to work, all you digestive organs, make your juices, let's go. That's not the only flavor that sends those kinds of signals, though, right? The acrid flavor in a lot of herbs triggers a relaxant effect mm-hmm. in, in many of our muscles. So with schizandra where there's all these flavors coming in and they're all pretty intense, there's a lot of response going on with that. I, would, I wouldn't I would say it's worthless to take like schizandra extract in a capsule that you never taste at all. But I would say that I think you're getting a less complete representation of what that plant has to offer you, or at the very least, a very different representation of how that's going to hit your system compared to chewing on some raw berries or sipping on some tea. It is very alive when you have the flavor it is like if you were having one of those days where you're just like maybe it's gray outside and also it's gray inside and also it's gray all the way inside like it's just gray everywhere and foggy um the flavor of schizandra just clears all that away it is just very alive in your mouth yeah and you can even I mean, you can connect that to the the kind of system-wide or, like, body-wide set of effects that the plant can have, right? Like, the bitter flavor, okay, lots of action going on in digestion. The acrid flavor, muscles are relaxing. The pungent flavor, all right, we're getting some immunity response and maybe some lung response as well with that, right? So these are all, like, associations between the types of tastes that we can perceive and the types of chemistry that cause those to happen and the way that those hit the system and how we can observe... You take the thing with the flavor, you get the set of effects, give it to lots and lots of people over time. We see those consistent. This is where these traditions come from, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And, you know, for a lot of plants, you can be like, this is a very clear, very simple herb. This is centauri. This is gentian. This is pure bitter. This is going to get your digestion moving. It's going to have some effects on your nerves that we understand better now, you know, (laughs) than we used to. But, um, But, like, there's that really strong, visible impact going on and then with schizandra it's like wow 
a lot of stuff has to a be lot happening. Of stuff is happening. Right? You can yeah. tell from the taste, you know. So yeah, yeah. Valuable. And even some of that stuff is hormonal in action too. Um, so and that's one of the aspects of schizandra, but also adaptogens in general is like a hormonal. Um, calibration, recalibration, or hormonal modulation. I'm really working to avoid the word balancing because balance and hormone is not necessarily, those two words don't necessarily go together. You're, you're okay. You can, you can associate balance here as long as you're thinking of like, like standing on a balance board or somebody who's on a tightrope. They're not still, they're dancing. It's like a very active you, form of balance. You have to keep the dance going or you are going to fall over. It's, yeah. it's necessary. Right? Or like a slack line. Yeah. yeah and totally. like that balance has a lot of movement in it, even if it is not a person who is about to fall off and they're like, whoa. But like even a person who's very comfortable doing that kind of activity is, is very active in their body about balancing. Okay. Yeah. Mm. That would be a fine way to. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes those movements that maintain, maintain balance can be small. I'm thinking of this video I, I've seen, and maybe you have too, but it's like you're flying alongside a, a, a raptor, you know, a, a, a hawk or something or a falcon. And what the video is showing you is it's like stabilized on the falcon's head as if that's not moving at all, but the body's moving and the wings are adjusting. And sometimes there's like a big, big wing, wing movement and sometimes it's like, one feather moves up two degrees, and, and that's what's required to, to like keep the head steady, keep your eyes on that mouse, you know, yeah. a mile away or whatever. So there can be that kind of effect that that maintains balance, you know, dynamic equilibrium in the body. But sometimes, you know, you got to be moving. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta you gotta have those those counterbalances happening. Yeah. I think we're back to smoldering anger. Like, it, this is fine. It, it's because Andrew will help with hot anger, too. Like, very active, flaming, raging anger, too. Like, but, um, but really, that sort of long-term, hot, smoldering anger, like, it, it is that active form of, like, you have to... You have to drain that off and balance it out. And you can't, like, it is not a thing that you can just be like, oh, well, feeling better now. Like, that's never going to happen. It has to be a very active progression through. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, anger can't just be set down. Like, it does need to be metabolized, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So, so schizandra helps with that. And schizandra is a, a metabolically activating herb in other ways, even though the overall effect of the plant is cooling, right? Again, it's complicated. There's some cooling effects. There's some warming effects, you know. Um, the overall impact is going to be, like, we drain out excess fluid. We reduce excess heat. You can think of, like, the inflammation itself draining away from the system. So that's the overall impact. But that requires some activity in order to, to get that to happen, right? Mm. Um, and Skizandra is really good in that regard. And so, yeah, that does bring us back around to this idea about sugar. And all of the adaptogens you mentioned can, can have improvements on a lot of hormonal effects in our system, including ones around blood sugar regulation. But schizandra is a standout in that regard. Yeah, it really is. Um, Tulsi, I, I will put in the standout category also, and Tulsi and schizandra taste great together as tea. Um, but uh, schizandra has like some extra bonus. There are many herbs that can help your body more efficiently manage and metabolize blood sh uh, metabolize sugar and like keep blood sugar levels in a more like um, steady state. But schizandra 
even if you are not trying, also just curbs the cravings for sugar. And the way that I found this out was that I was in, um, I was having some emotional um, rough times and I was um, making a lot of cake to compensate for <laughs> my emotional state. And it was gluten-free, dairy-free cake sweetened with honey. You know, I was harm reducing my cake, but still it was cake. And I was in a place that like, I needed to have cake every day to, to like get through my day. And, um, some people maybe don't have that kind of emotional response, but some of you out there are like, Oh, Katya, I have been there. So, um, anyway, I was in that place and I decided to start working with Skizandra around anger management issues. Like it had nothing to do with sugar. I really hadn't even associated it with sugar at that point. So fine. Okay. And I started taking, you know, 10 schizandra berries every day, which is like, whether it is true or not, it's unclear, but, but it is in the like, um, mythology around herbalism, especially specifically in New England herbalism, um, that traditionally people worked with schizandra by taking 10 berries a day. I don't know if that's really accurate, but that is like the mythology that came out of like New England teaching. Um, 10 berries a day for 100 days. For 100 days, right. And what is that, right? Like that's a season. Yeah. You know, a season is a good uh, like archetypal amount of time to initiate a habit and, and then like observe the beginning and the end and the change mm. that occurs in that time. So, yeah, a season is really a, a good way to think about work and especially work with regarding to health. But okay, so I was going to do 10 berries a day for 100 days and I didn't get very far into it. And all of a sudden, one day we were like, there's mold on this cake. And <laughs> <laughs> like, you got to understand. Apparently I wasn't keeping up with my half of the bargain or whatever. But, <laughs> but yeah, that, uh, that had never happened before. That had never <laughs> happened before. And especially with, with the relationship I was in with cake in that moment. Yeah. Like the idea that the cake would sit alone, untouched long enough for mold to happen at that point in my life was just an absolute, you've got to be kidding me. I didn't even I want to be clear. This was just like a hint of mold. I didn't okay? even this know the cake could it mold. Wasn't, it wasn't like, like green fuzz. Okay. <laughs> well, it's it was not the kind of house we live in. That's true. <laughs> but there was enough mold for me to see it and be like, Oh my goodness, I can't eat that. Like I took the lid off and I was like, Oh my goodness, I can't eat this. Um, yeah. And anyway, uh, that was when I was like, but I was not trying to not eat cake. I was in a headspace of cake will get me through my day. What happened here? And then we realized it was the schizandra. And when you make that kind of realization, that is exciting, but you have to test it because what if it wasn't the schizandra? What if it was yeah. something else? Yeah. Uh, and so we've tested it and, uh, and it works really, really well that it just over a period of time, not even too long, of time, like a couple of weeks, it it just changes your desire for sugar. Um, so that was pretty exciting. And again, like I think I think about an herb that is strong enough to stand up to. Like Schizandra had enough energy, had enough strength in that time to stand up to me, like 
in a not healthy relationship with sugar and using sugar to get through emotionally challenging times. And that was, that was amazing. Yeah. 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 Well, okay. So you can text Cassandra in lots of ways, right? And we've mentioned a bunch of them. You can, you can make a tea. Today we made a tea. I, I often like to prepare tea for the herbs we're going to talk about in our in our little episode. So this has a combo of skullcap with schizandra. It's about three parts skullcap to one part schizandra, and I feel like that's a decent ratio. Um, but you can play with it. You could try them half and half, or, or you could just try each one by themselves and see what you think. But this is not overwhelmingly schizandrasis. <laughs> Schizandrous? <laughs> Schizandracious? Yeah. Yeah. Um... I do like these two together very much because if you, just a little preview, if you think about Skullcap and its ability to help stop the hamster wheel of repetitive thinking in your mind, um, and then you think about anger, especially long held (laughs) anger. Yeah. How repetitive is that? (laughs) How repetitive that is in your mind, just so repetitive in your mind. And so like the idea of putting these two together is really particularly beautiful to me. So I'm really excited that they came next to each other on the shelf and we get to talk about them together. Yeah. 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 Um, one other thing, I guess about Skizandra before we do move on. Um, so something that we've been paying some attention to and, uh, teaching about recently, because we've been filming video about herb-drug interactions. Uh, And, you know, when it comes to herb-drug interactions, you've got some real standouts. You've got your St. John's wort. Wow, that can interact with lots of plants, (laughs) Uh, lots of drugs, lots of meds, right? You've got grapefruit, that can interact with a lot of them. And with both of them, it's, it's largely because of their effects on these enzymes that your liver and your kidneys and your intestines make, uh, which help to metabolize those, those medications and, and other things, of course, right? Like your body didn't invent them when pharmaceuticals were developed. Yeah. <laughs> no, all those enzymes actually have work that they do in the body yeah. in real life. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Sure. But yeah, okay. A drug enters your system. These enzymes are going to break it down or, you know, help to metabolize it and get it out of your system. But uh, St. John's wort can make more of those enzymes happen and that can cause you to metabolize the drug faster than usual. Grapefruit can cause you to make less of them. And so the drug is metabolized slower than usual. In either case, this can lead to some issues, you know, especially with drugs where you're trying to have a really regular schedule with them. So the levels kind of like reach a a high point and a low point at predictable times in your day. Everything is kind of steady in that regard. But if you take one of these at the same time as your drug or you take it consistently while you're taking that drug, now what's called the, the pharmacokinetics or like the way the drug moves in your body, that might change more of it's kicked out of the system than usual, or it stays around a lot longer than it should, right? Um, So it turns out that schizandra has a similar type of effect, um, specifically similar to grapefruit, in that it can slow down your liver's processing of those those foreign agents. And one way to think about this um, that I think should make sense to herbalists is that this is in some ways an extension of the cooling effect that schizandra has on your liver. One of the reasons people today have so much liver inflammation is because we encounter so much weird stuff that our body has to cope with, Mm. tear down apart, make it into a form that you can get it out of the system. But the first steps in that process are themselves pro-inflammatory. They are an oxidative process. Your body is burning 
those molecules of your pharmaceutical or the bad stuff in the water that's the only water you've got to drink. You know, if you live in a polluted area like in Coal River Valley in West Virginia, you know, Mm -hmm. you've got hexavalent chromium in the water table. There's not a lot you can do about that. Yes, filters. Yes, bottled water. We can talk about all of those strategies and they're super important, but people are exposed to these things at some level anyway, right? And so your body has to cope with that. And again, part of that process of getting it out of you does involve generating inflammation. And that stacked up with sugar, stacked up with stress, stacked up with a loss of sleep, it can be more inf- inflammation than your system can really handle. And so slowing that down a little bit or helping your body to move through these things in an organized way, like we do the inflammatory part, but only uh, so much as we keep up with the anti-inflammatory part that really finalizes it and gets it out of your body, right? Schizander seems to help to reach that kind of a level of liver activity. And so the takeaway, though, is that if there's a drug going on, and it's a drug where we don't want to screw around with the, the cycle of it in your system, the, the peaks and valleys of that, of that drug's level in your body during the day, then we should use a little caution when we think about schizandra or when we want to work with schizandra. Um, this one is, of course, still being researched. There's not like a final comprehensive list of all the drugs that this one mm-hmm. could interact with and all of the dose ranges at which that may occur for both the drug and for the herb and the body types and the constitutions and the genetic variations and the history of other health issues that would give us a lot of clarity for one individual about whether or not this herb is safe to incorporate in their regimen. But <laughs> but ultimately you could end up with too much mm-hmm. of like a higher dose than what you really meant to have. Yeah. This is such complicated stuff too because so much of us are so many of us are walking around with like impaired liver function and I don't want to suggest that schizandra is reducing healthy liver function because I don't think that that's, that's no. going on here at all. At all. No. Um, but, I mean, neither is grapefruit. Grapefruit is not making your liver unhealthy. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Um, it just changes the way that certain processes happen. And, and again, like, but there are so many factors of, like, leading a lifestyle, a modern lifestyle, which is kind of inherently unhealthy that can cause us to have liver slow down that could also cause that kind of accumulation just because your liver's not getting through its to-do list Mm -hmm. uh, as fast as it could. So, um, so this is something to be concerned about and to be like following, but also might, might not be as serious as, Right. And St. If, John's wort, yeah. you know. And, and even the comparison with grapefruit, like we have to think about dose sizes, you know. And in some contexts, a person might drink a whole glass of schizandra juice the way they might drink a whole glass of grapefruit juice. Like if you have a schizandra plant and you get enough berries and you squash <laughs> them all up, yeah, you can do that. But most folks aren't. Like they're taking them as supplements or they're taking them as tincture or, or tea or berries that you chew on. It is popular as soda in Korea. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right, Omija? Yeah. And here actually... Um, uh, in central Massachusetts, there is a schizandra farm, and they make kombucha out of the schizandra juice. Yeah, I think there must be others, because there's some national brands now that have schizandra kombucha. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, um, so it's definitely a, a thing that's out and about. And, and again, I wanted to I want to make it super clear, right? Like, it is never the case with even this kind of drug interaction that one sip of your tea 
is going to doom you to a serious right. drug interaction <laughs> that puts your life at risk, right, you know? Right, right, right. There's um, so many complicating factors. Yeah. So there's different ways to respond to that kind of information. You know, somebody who's brand new to herbalism, probably the best thing is, well, you've got a lot of learning to do before you go making any recommendations to anybody. Let's start with that. Mm -hmm. Okay. But maybe you're at a point where like you've got some experience under your belt. You work with a lot of herbs yourself. You're, you're, you know, comfortable um, suggesting people to drink some chamomile tea for their tummy ache and that kind of thing. Maybe Schizandra's one you, you keep in your back pocket for a while, or you at least say, all right, anybody on medications, I'm just not going to talk about this herb, or I'm going to caution them. Mm -hmm. This might not be the, the right herb for you. Mm -hmm. But those of you who are in clinical practice, um, you need this kind of familiarity with these issues and with the nuances involved in them so that you can help somebody make their own personal decision, mm -hmm. right? Okay, and, and like I look at the drug list you've got, I look at the health issues in your history, I look at other information we've got that's relevant to these types of, of questions. And I think, all right, for you, this preparation of schizandra at this dose, I think that this is safe. Um, you know, that's something that you need to be able to express to somebody as a clinical herbalist in the world today. Right. To be able to sort of differentiate the people where this wouldn't be a concern or the people where this would be a concern. Yeah. Um, because you can fine-tune that. You don't actually, one, once you get good at this, you don't actually have to say no one taking any pharmaceuticals ever could ever have any trial-sized dose of schizandra. It's good to Put do down that. that kombucha, kid, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to do that, like, in the beginning when you're not confident about herb-drug interactions. But uh, like Rin said, we just finished updating the herb-drug interaction course. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really good. So you could go grab that. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to love it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, and and again, don't be afraid of schizandra, right? Like <laughs> this is a this is a fantastic herb. There are so many cases in which it's really helpful. And like you said, it kind of at the lead in here, for modern people in particular who are surrounded by sugar on all sides and have a lot to be angry about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this herb is very, very appropriate. Very awesome. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, you know, um, let's talk about skullcap and. Skullcap here, let's let's say, we're talking about Scutellaria lateriflora. There are other skullcaps, there are, are other Scutellaria species. Probably the most famous is Scutellaria bicolensis, which is often called Baikal skullcap, or sometimes Chinese skullcap, um, even though like Baikal is in... Russia. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But I've never heard it called Russian skullcap, but anyway. Um, that one we're not so much going to be addressing today because we don't work with it. Like we've, we have worked with it a few times, you know, I'm thinking of, uh, like herbal formulations that are designed to combat complex infected wounds yeah. and include some, you know, bicol skullcap for the, uh, the quorum sensing inhibition and break up the biofilms. And, and that's very helpful. Um, but that's been the majority I'd say for both of us with bicol. Yeah. And, and the thing is that there are so many plants who can do that work mm. that, um, and I don't have bicol skullcap. Like, I, I think that we can grow it, but we're not currently growing it. Yeah. Um, and... I mean, Sam grew it in Texas, so it can't be that hard. No, I think we can grow it here. Um, just we haven't done it. And, I mean, we could purchase it, but I think it's that, you know, a lot of times the herbs that you like the best are because they're the tools that you need to do the work you're doing right now. And... When I'm thinking about infection, the tools that I turn to for that are, and uh, tools, I don't mean to imply that herbs are like tools. I mean, I guess, well, anyway, 
They are our friends. They're, you know, we work with them. But, you know, I'm looking at pine and plantain, herbs herbs that are here yeah. right around me. I think part of what happened, and I'm, you know, like, I'm seeing this in my own mental history here, is when we started to hear herbalists talking about biofilms and about quorum sensing inhibition and um, all of that kind of effect, Skullcap was one of the, Baikal Skullcap especially, was one of the like first most prominent ones mm-hmm. to hit sort of the herbal discussion scene. You know what I mean? And, and I think one of the first ones that they studied to, really extensively. Yeah, and especially around. to the level to be like these particular chemicals, the Baikalin and Baikalayan, which are found mm-hmm. in Lateral Flora also, but especially there, like it's right there in the names, right? Baikal Skullcap, Baikalayan. It's, yeah. You know, these are yeah, connected, yeah. yeah. Um, that those were identified as, as serving these quorum sensing inhibition functions and helping to break up a biofilm and allow the other herbs in your in your formula to be more effective as antimicrobials. Um, and then over the next bunch of years, between then and now, there's like dozens and dozens of papers that are pointing at lots of other herbs, mm-hmm. like lots of other herbs, okay? Like basically, and- <laughs> I think every herb that they have investigated to say, I wonder if this herb has, yeah, it yeah. turns out quorum yeah. sensing inhibition, check. And it's yeah. one of those things where after a while you sort of stop and you look at the information and you're like, well, of course it is, right? Because plants have to deal with microbial biofilms all the time. Mm-hmm. They can't run away from them. They can't scrape the slime off of their trunks. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so most plants have to have some kind of a strategy for this mm-hmm. for this type of problem. Yeah. Okay. So let, let's maybe we can lead with that. Like if you have somehow gotten the message that only Baikal Skullcap can be helpful in an antimicrobial formula to, you know, enhance the efficacy of your berberine plants or your pungent bitter mints or your whatever else, uh, guess what? Skullcap can help. Yeah, everybody can help. So many plants can help. Um, But when I think about Skullcap and and the work that I do today, I'm thinking about emotional health and mental health and um, tension and those repeating ruminating thoughts like tension in the mind and tension in the body that's associated with tension in the mind especially like at the base of the neck um when you're like pinching your shoulder blades together those are the kinds of things that that we work with all of the time Uh, to be honest um herbalists don't work on infections so frequently now if you go hiking a lot or if you do a lot of first aid and and you know that kind of stuff then yes you get to work with infections a lot that way and that's where we have most of our experience with infections but if you're just like a clinical herbalist in the world today you're dealing with a lot more mental health stuff than you are with actual wound care it's it's just because of the logistics you know Mm -hmm. you're okay schedule an appointment with me it's probably not about this thing that's growing green slime on my arm (laughs) i'm not gonna wait two weeks to have my herbalist talk to me through zoom about that you know okay yeah um yeah that's also why it's good for everybody to learn basic wound care because if you get to those things before they're green and growing slime yes then even very common simple herbs can uh can take care of that for you yes it's the best way right but so when i think about skull clap Cap, I'm thinking about La Terra Flora because it is so integral to the work that that I do most of the time. Yeah. It's um, flavor-wise, right? Uh, Skullcap is pretty mild in taste. It's a little bit bitter. And it falls into this category that we can call the bitter mints. That's like a mint family plant. 
Lamiaceae family plant, right? Um, you've got your pepperminty mints. You've got your pungent mints, you know, like... Sage. Sage and thyme and oregano and monarda. And then you have some that are bitter, and there's a scale in there, right? You've got, like, really, really bitter ones, like motherwort. And then you have ones like betony and ground ivy and even self-heal, where it's there. It's definitely there. And, and like, the more herb you throw into the water and the longer you steep it, the more, yeah, the more, the more it comes it can out. Be. Yeah, but yeah. it's also, like, a green kind of bitter green. as opposed to, like, centauri or gentian or something that, that is a very, mm-hmm. like... Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't know what color those are, but it's very... Well, they're sharp, but... Yeah, it's... Yeah. Those are super bitter. Some of them are clear. Color. Oh, I was going to say clear, too. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, there we go. Um, but, but so this is a... Like, the bitterness is a green bitter. It's, you know, it's, like, just a little bitter. Yeah. Um, what I find interesting about this this little cluster uh, together here, these bitter mints, is that they're... They've got a number of overlapping effects, right? We've got relaxants. Many of them have, have lymphatic capacity. Uh, a lot of them are alterative and anti-inflammatory, right? And that last one, that covers all of them. Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, especially <laughs> yeah. self-heal. But yeah, motherwort, betony, ground ivy, skullcap. Yeah, mm-hmm. all of them are nice anti-inflammatory. A bunch of them get your fluids moving. That helps with improving the quality of all your, all your circulating fluids, right? Um, Skullcap is a definite relaxant in this group. Right? Yeah, if we kind of make that relaxant, lymphatic, alternative, anti-inflammatory, like into a spectrum, it's definitely way on the relaxant side. Yeah, yeah. that's the major thing that we turn to this plant for. Mm. It's sort of, um, but not generalized relaxant. Yeah, like it's a really specific relaxant, and it's it's specific for our times. Like it really is about that hamster wheel and and the tension that comes along with it like like when you are just spinning around on the same thought over and over it like it's almost like it is winding up your body and like you're just like your shoulders are coming up to your ears and like your shoulder blades are pinching together and you're just like the tension is just knotting itself up um, all like trying to get into your head along with this like hamster wheel of thought. Mm. Um, and, and that is that point of relaxation for skull cap. Yeah. Right. Oh, that kind of hurts. I was really, <laughs> I was really cranking my shoulders. Up. <laughs> we should give you drink more skull cap tea. Yeah. Yeah. It is helpful, you know, for those type of tension headaches, um, especially the ones where the tension is localized back here in the back. Like if it's right up in your temples, you could work with Skullcap, but we might give it some friends. Like I might put Betony in there mm-hmm. to help out. Um, you know, like I think of Skullcap as back of the head, but but the one time that I don't think of it as back of the head is when it is directly above your eyebrows, mm. that kind of headache. Mm. And the fun thing about that kind of headache is even though it's in the front of your head, it's in the back of your head. Um, because there are muscles that are right above your eyebrows and they go all the way back along, like parallel um, along the skull, like racing stripes. Um, and so if you have that tension, that stress tension, and it is tensing everything up and it's like cranking your shoulders up to your ears, that's not the only crank that's happening. It's also cranking that that muscle above the eyebrows as well. 
Um, and so that is that is a front headache that I do still think about skull cap. Yeah, yeah, that's some that's some like anatomy trained stuff because it's it's like several like muscles and connectives and stuff that are like joined by the fascia. Sheet. Right, it's not right. like one so run, solid muscle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Back together. Yeah, right. Well, there's that there's that way to localize the the type of tension that skullcap is most helpful with kind of like geographically on the body that way. And then there's also like skullcap can be helpful for intermittent tension where it's, it's there, but then it disappears. And what this usually looks like is like shaking. Um, but it's on a scale, right? Like at the very low end, you get some occasional twitchiness. Okay. And then if it gets more and more severe, it's more like we get spasms, you know, they're not happening all the time. But yeah, like sometimes I just get a jolt and it hurts and it's like tense for a minute and Mm -hmm. then it calms down. And then a a further example of this would be seizure, right? And of course, there's other elements with that. We've got electrical activity in the brain, but it does lead to the muscles all clamping up, you know, super tight and intense in that really strong way. Skullcap, um, over the course of recorded history, has been like a key herb or like a standout herb for that type of tension pattern. Mm and it, and it has been very helpful in cases of seizure. And I don't just mean like a hundred years ago, right? right? Like we've had clients who uh, are dealing with epilepsy and related, you know, uh, neuroelectrical problems mm-hmm. um, and working with Skullcap, uh, getting a lot of relief, especially in combination with betony and usually passionflower. And then also other interventions as well. Right. Like it's not like... Oh, just take a squirt of skullcap tincture and your epilepsy goes away. Like, no. you know, we're, we're you're working on I- improving the situation a little bit in every direction until you get to a place that is like, hey, this is really quite improved. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, there's food work to be done. How can we improve sleep and so on? Yeah. There's um, there there are a lot of avenues of approach, but but skullcap, especially with betony, and really can be a big part of that work mm-hmm. yeah yeah but this could also be something that is a, a way for you to be like when do i think of skullcap right when do i reach for it um do you ever get that thing where you've had kind of an extra stressful day and then like oh, my eye is just twitching yeah. like I just, and and maybe you'd first notice it as kind of like a like why why did i blink only on one side like wait what or little, like you maybe feel the muscle <laughs> this like, little little tremor this little like tickle over here yeah might be time for skullcap. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. Like you know, when we talk about lemon balm, often I I give it the little motto or like the bumper sticker: heat stroke and things that look like heat stroke. Mm-hmm. And so you could say that about skullcap. It could be like seizure and things that look like seizure. Um, and uh, yeah, it's like yeah. that that one tiny little spasm of that muscle at your eyelid. I mean, in a very localized, teeny tiny little spot, that is a teeny tiny little seizure. You know, it's seizure and things that look like seizure. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. That combo of skullcap, passionflower, and betony uh, may be familiar to anyone who's been hanging out with us for a while because it is one that we gravitate back to Mm. over and over again. Um, It's usually like the foundation for a sleep formula or for a relaxant formula Mm. because this can go in either of those directions and several others too, right? Like you could have those three. Yeah, they're all calming. They're all cooling in nature. They're all a little bit sedative, but not 
hypnotic, not going to knock you out in the middle of your day. Remember and that the, the word sedative in herbalism is not the same as the word sedative in pharmacology. Mm -hmm. So when we say the word sedative about pharmaceuticals, the corresponding word in the herbal world is hypnotic. Sedative in the herbal world is mm, something that is very relaxing or strongly, strongly relaxing, but will not in and of itself make you sleepy yeah. um, if you were not already sleepy. Now, you might be super behind on sleep and very tense. And if you relax that tension, suddenly you realize that the tension was the only thing keeping you awake. Mm. And so the result for you might be that you became very sleepy, but you can see where the difference is that the, the sleepiness was actually already there and you relaxed into it as opposed to you got plenty of sleep, you're well rested, everything's fine. You took some passion flower, maybe some skull cap, and all you do is relax. You don't feel sleepy at that point. Yeah, absolutely. But see, we can take that combo, skullcap, betony, passion flower. We can start with that and then we can say, okay, I'm having, I'm, my main thing I'm dealing with is stress at work. So we're going to have those in there to release some of that physical tension, to keep you grounded, to keep you centered in your body and in the moment, not kind of thrown into your worries and anxieties or you're like, I don't know, are they hovering? Are they watching me? That kind of <laughs> feeling, but a little more calm and centered and relaxed. And then we can say, I would also benefit from like a little bit of mental focus and presence. So we could put in some Tulsi and some Ginkgo, mm -hmm. right? And this formula overall is not going to be sedative. I mean, sleep inducing. I mean, making you drowsy at work, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But it will sedate the excessive activation of your nerves. It will sedate the excessive vigilance you may be feeling in your mm -hmm. mind. Right? Yeah. And like if you are in that state, it's very uncomfortable. You would kind of like that state to be a little sedated. Yeah. But you, in terms of your ability to think clearly and drive a car, are not are not sedated. Right. But then on the other hand, if we take Skullcap, Betony, Passionflower, and we combine that together with, I guess on the farther end, like hops and California poppy, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? that is a knock you out combo, right? Yeah. That is, you take that in the hour before bed and you see if you make it the whole hour. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. you will fall asleep. And, and again, same thing, like we're going to, we're going to reduce those feelings of anxiousness, reduce those repetitive thoughts reduce the sort of like threat awareness or or the other feelings that your anxiousness has brought into the situation but also let's just on top of it have a little extra knockout because i really have to get myself to sleep yeah, yeah. and maybe you're both of those people right and then now what you're going to be doing is you're going to have your, your nervine formula that you can take through the day help you to work not too anxious focused and present you've got your sleep formula to help you in the nighttime get me to sleep, sleep really well, wake up refreshed. But you're also getting Skullcap all day long, right? Mm -hmm. And now you're reaching that place where you're taking Skullcap as a trophorestorative, right? Something that's rebuilding healthy nerve function, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and we could say that too for betony and, and I think passionflower also. So this is often a strategy that we like where there's continuity and also like saturation, <laughs> you know, yeah. with one of those, one of those herbs that like Skullcap, like it can have an immediate impact. You can feel the relaxation when you're in that really anxious moment. But also when you take it over the long term, there's this restoration and this strengthening of your nervous system and of your reaction to the world around you, right? 
So being able to set it up like this where you can get it in the moment as you need it, it can help you to go to sleep, and we're also building that steady day in and day out intake to get this in uh, at those at those types of um, exposure, that's very successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there we go. Skull cap. Mm-hmm. All the things that you can do with skull cap that don't involve wound care or quorum sensing inhibition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'll be a different podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we'll be back soon with another one. But uh, before we go, uh, both of these herbs... Um, important nervine, skullcap, important adaptogen, schizandra. These come up um, regularly in our course, uh, Neurological and Emotional Health. Yes. This is a really good one. It is like it's a good one. one of my favorite courses. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, really yeah. like it a lot. Yeah. yeah. So you might really like it a lot as well. Um, this That course, Neurological and Emotional Health, covers um, pain management. It covers physiological nerve issues like... MS, fibromyalgia, Parkinson's, Bell's palsy, all those kinds of things. And then all of the emotional and mental aspects of health. Um, So everything from autism, ADD, depression, anxiety, um, just the whole sort of gamut there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we get into detail about the nervines and about the adaptogens and when does this one make more sense? And when does that one be more helpful? And yeah. all of that kind of nuance. It helps you to get past like, oh, get anything from that category down right. to this is a time when I really, really want Skullcap to be involved. Mm-hmm. You know, um, those so kind you of things. Can, you can make your formulas to be like super targeted to a very specific situation mm-hmm. because you learn the plants in that manner. Yeah. So like all our courses, this includes the video lessons, the MP3s, so you can take them as you go. PDFs and guides uh, for you to peruse, discussion threads, the access to our community and to our live Q&A sessions. And remember, it's lifetime access, Mm -hmm. so there's no rush. And everyone (laughs) asks about certificates. Yes, there's a certificate and um, there's uh, there are assignments in there and little quizzes and stuff, too. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, all the good stuff. It's all in there. It's all there. All right. And you'll find that with all of our courses at online dot commonwealthherbs.com mm-hmm. all right that's it for us take care of yourselves take care of each other drink some tea drink some tea and oh i didn't plan one for this um keep your skulls in a schism no that's not it no that's not right <laughs> <laughs> um what about taste the rainbow can we do something with taste mm. because schizandra is the closest thing to skittles pop rocks those kinds of candy flavors in the natural world, I have to say. Mm -hmm. All right, we'll workshop it. We'll get one better for you next time. (laughs) Bye, everyone. All right, everybody. Bye-bye.